Welcome to the Good Morning League podcast, the official podcast of the League School of Greater Boston. Thank you for tuning in to our very first episode, where we are thrilled to have joining us Michael John Carley, a well-known author and longtime autism advocate who has recently become a consultant for League School. Michael discusses his new role with the school, as well as ways in which those at the school and beyond can empower autistic individuals to reach their fullest potential. We hope you enjoy our talk with Michael and that you will tune in for future episodes as they are posted. Here now is our discussion with Michael John Carley. Michael, thank you so much for joining us and being the, the first guest on our podcast. It's, it's a real honor to have you. I know you're a very well-known name in the autism community, so it means a lot that you're, um, that you're taking the time to do this, so thank you. Uh, Matthew, thank you. I really, really am honored to be your inaugural uh, podcast guest, and I can't wait. So you have a previous relationship with League School in a variety of ways, but can you sort of talk about what your your role at the school is now and sort of, um, you know, where you fit into that? Yeah, sure. So the League School is obviously um, a pretty predominant uh, school for autistic kids in New England, and it's been one of the more solid administrations, certainly I think nationwide, for many, many moons. But it's been undergoing this little bit of a transformation, I think, to more inclusive thinking, I think less deficit-based thinking, um, I think starting to embrace more behaviorally positive reinforcement strategies like certs. So I suddenly found myself, you know, living in New England, and I've had some conversations with, you know, many people there, but especially with uh, Lindsay Wagner, um, who's become one of my dearest and best friends, and I just really, really appreciate the direction in which you've been going. And so the marriage of my doing something with a school, I think, was, you know, kind of inevitable. And I'm really, really happy about that. In specific terms, what am I doing with the school? I'm working with the kids, and I'm working with them on a curriculum that I sort of started, like, almost 20 years ago now, in the New York City public schools. And it's it's not really a a curriculum that you could call it. You certainly can't call it a social skills um, curriculum. I think it's just more of really, to me, it's just an autism education curriculum where, you know, instead of treating the kids like patients, we're really sort of teaching them about themselves and letting them contribute to the discussion in terms of that the right or wrong answers, you know, that could be given in a classroom setting like this really just depends on how a person feels as opposed to being right or wrong, so that in essence there is no right or wrong. And one of the things that I think especially is true is that when students understand their autism better and understand that those issues that may separate them from the behavioral majority, as it were, that when they understand that this comes from their wiring and not their character, that their potential for self-esteem just goes through the roof when compared with your way of doing things is wrong and our way of doing things is right. And I think that already the entire building has seen a sea change in terms of how the kids think about themselves and what better work could we be doing. And it's great that you mentioned how your work lets students with autism reach their fullest potential and lets them contribute um, to their own community and to their own school, because obviously April is a time to celebrate autism. Um, First, it was Autism Awareness Month and then Autism Acceptance Month. And at League School, we're celebrating a new push this year for Autism Empowerment Month, which is really the core of it is to get students with autism to reach their fullest potential and empower them to, to do great things and also to empower others to sort of understand, you know, those with autism better. When you hear the term autism empowerment, what does that mean to you specifically? 
it means education. It means learning about what do I need as an autistic person to be able to thrive in life. And knowledge is power. Always has been, always will be. And I think that what the tricky part of it is and why, you know, this is something that hasn't exactly resonated with everybody and why the Leaf School is being very brave, I think, by making this step is the fact that real education doesn't just start with a lot of happy stuff about moving forward. It starts also, unfortunately, with unlearning the unhappy stuff that we were all taught in the past. Because that's, you know, one of the great challenges that we have is that we have a really draconian history, despite being one of the most privileged societies planet Earth has ever seen. If we're talking about punitive behavioral strategies, obviously ABA has undergone a reformation and nobody enters into the ABA field because they specifically want to hurt autistic children. And they certainly don't use as much negative reinforcement as they did in the past. But we just don't need things like discrete trials to be grabbing a kid's flapping arms and shoving them back in their lap for 40 hours a week and assume that that doesn't cause trauma. So it's stuff like this that I think that, you know, is, makes it hard to move forward if we have so many questions about our past, especially if, for instance, you are that student that, you know, may have undergone trauma in the way in which you were being taught, but because nobody explained to you what trauma was, you weren't really able to report it. It was just a very, very confusing kind of an existence. Um, so we have a lot to unlearn about that. I think we still have a lot to unlearn about how to recognize deficit-based attitudes and language because that just doesn't help our sense of self-esteem. I wouldn't get into an argument about whether a deficit-based statement would be right or wrong because that's really just in the context of, of the, the, you know, the eye of the person who's making that statement. It's basically an opinion. But I think we all know that when we don't use deficit-based language, that it just makes people that who are at a psychological disadvantage enough as it is already less psychologically disadvantaged because it gives them a chance to at least regard the possibility, if not the probability, that you know what they have is just a difference. Um, you know, deficit language is you know like the word impairment. You'll see that in the ADA. You'll see that at the CDC. The ADA and the CDC are our friends. So, you know, it's just a collective, I think, engagement that we're all in the midst of in which we're learning to unlearn some of the painful things before we can get on with, I think, the more easier to conceive of positive ways of looking about ourselves. And that, to me, is empowerment. That's, edu that's real education. And a lot of the things that you're talking about, obviously, take time. Um, and I think that's that's one thing that, you know, there sort of has to be uh, – a level of patience if you're talking about changing society's um you know viewpoints on something or even an individual person's opinion on something H how have you sort of seen in recent years the progress that's being made what areas do you think we're seeing the most progress what what areas do you think we need to work on more and just sort of talk a little bit about that how it really is something that's going to um take time and it's not going to happen overnight you're absolutely right matthew but i think that painful conversations um to mm -hmm. me are inordinately important. I think the painful conversations save relationships. I think the painful conversations end relationships that maybe would have ended anyway 10 years down the road and that you're saving yourself a lot of time. Um, and I think that, you know, as a society, you know, whether we're talking about a variety of things, that painful conversations is just something that the rest of the world would prefer to not have to deal with. And if you're in a position where you're not you know, ideologically motivated enough or just 
you know, don't, you know, feel the passion for, then, you know, you're going to probably not feel the need to engage in painful conversations. I think that there, in the autism world, we've got an awful lot of work to do, and I don't really think that shying away from that is the right course at all, because people have been working very, very hard over the last 20 years, you know, since I've been in this field. And, you know, are we satisfied with the change that we've gotten in 20 years? No. But have we seen enough change to at least make maybe, you know, sustain us and make us feel like we're on the right path? Absolutely. And to add to that, too, when you look at some of the, the victories of the past, you know, we used to word, use words like cure and disease. You know, we got over that. We used to think that autism came from vaccines. You know, we got over that. So we can certainly, you know, look to a lot of uh, decent wins in the past, but I think that sometimes this stuff is so much like philosophy where you only get um, better questions by, by um, solving the answers to the questions that you're asking anyway. So it's almost like a moving target. <laughs> when you do empower a student um, with autism and you see them make progress, or you see them you know, reach a goal and you see their, you know, their enthusiasm, but also their, their family's enthusiasm over it, like just sort of talk about like how good of a feeling that is. Sure. I think that the way in which I see the greatest progress in them and I see the greatest joy is how they relate to one another. And if, you know, you're engaging with your fellow classmate as somebody who feels less of a person than everybody else, and you're engaging with another classroom who feels the same way, there can definitely be some shared experience there. But it's misery loves company and we can do better. And what I'm seeing out of the league school kids is I feel good about myself. I, really? I feel good about myself, too. Let's, you know, let's have a conversation that's based on strength and not on despair. And I think it does wonders, absolute wonders. And obviously, I, as a person with autism, you know, can certainly relate to that experience, having gone through um, some of the same challenges that the kids have. Great. Well, I think we're just about out of time, but is there anything, you know, final that you would want to add either about you know, your work at League or what you're sort of looking forward to coming up? I'm looking forward towards a deepening relationship with the League School, to be honest with you, because I really want the chance to support such bravery that I've seen from them in an administrative level in being able to embrace, you know, let's say the work that I've done. Um, and I just really, really appreciate them for that and think that they deserve the recognition for being inordinately humanist about all of this stuff. And I just can't wait to support them more. Great. Well, hopefully that also um, includes coming back and recording another episode of the podcast because we'd be happy to have you anytime. Oh, Matthew, you just reach out. I'm, I'm a ham. I can talk so <laughs> anytime I'm there for you, I promise. Great. Well, we really do, you know, appreciate not, not only what you're doing with the school, but just, you know, in the autism community in general. Um, so thank you so much again. Thank you, Matthew. Our thanks to Michael John Carley for speaking with us and being our first ever guest on the Good Morning League podcast. You can learn more about Michael at michaeljohncarley.com and be sure to follow along for future episodes of the Good Morning League podcast by visiting leagueschool.org slash podcast and following League School of Greater Boston on social media. Until next time, have a great day. Mm -hmm.